Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. A deal is reached to end the HSR strike. Plus, Hamilton Bike Share sees a big boost. A new look for the LRT. Max Nuclear Reactor makes waves. Black Friday is on the way. And where are snowbirds landing? The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Big news earlier this morning. City of Hamilton, ATU Local 107, reaching a tentative agreement to end the week-long HSR strike. And joining us now is the president of the Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 107, Eric Tuck. Eric, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Well, how do you feel? Tired. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been a long night. We went late, uh, late into the morning. When did this get finalized? Uh, so we probably uh, finished up around 3 o'clock, 3.30 this morning by the time we got everything signed off. And done. So now that this thing has been put to bed, are you recommending acceptance? Yes. Uh, my negotiating team has agreed to recommend the uh, tentative agreement to my membership. Does that mean you got what you wanted? No, uh, it's, it's a negotiation. Uh, I would say that there was a significant compromise on both sides of the table, and in the end, uh, we, we came up with a deal that uh, I think is a win uh, for my members, uh, as well as a win for our passengers. What, what details can you share with us? Uh, as, in regards to the actual uh, offer, uh, nothing at this point because my members still have to see the deal and have to vote on it. Uh, we will make those arrangements as quickly as possible, uh, but we have to have uh, 48 hours to review the offer, uh, and we have to book a facility and get it printed up. So you're probably looking at a week to 10 days. With that said, because it is a tentative agreement that we are recommending, uh, our members will be going back to work this morning uh, as far as the maintenance staff, and uh, hopefully they get the fleet up and running and ready to go for the start of service tomorrow morning. So by tomorrow morning, HSR buses should be back on the roads? That is the goal. Are you confident your members will approve this deal? Uh, so, yes, I am uh, confident that they will accept the deal. Uh, I think in the end, uh, my members understand that that's how negotiations work. Uh, you know, both sides have to compromise and move towards uh, middle ground. And that's that's exactly what we did. In any deal, as you just referenced, there is some give and take. Was there a, was there a point in these negotiations over the last number of days in which you thought, man, we're just too far apart here? Uh, there were several times. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to lie, uh, this is uh, this has been a tough round of bargaining. Much tougher than previous rounds? Uh, yeah, I believe the climate uh, around these negotiations, uh, the fact that it dragged on as long as it did, uh, um, definitely made it a tougher round, uh, round of negotiations for my members. And, uh, you know, the expectations of the membership uh, were fairly high this time around, given uh, what we've been through with COVID and everything else. Um, yeah. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Eric Tuck, president of the Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 107. Uh, the City of Hamilton and the Union reaching a tentative agreement early this morning to end the week-long HSR strike. The timing couldn't be better with the Grey Cup Festival starting today. Grey Cup 110 on Sunday was part of this deal realizing that a mega event was happening in our city. And from an optic standpoint, you wanted to get a deal done as well. 
Yes. So, uh, you know, as a Hamiltonian, uh, we, we are proud of our city and we wanted to do everything we could to, to get a deal. But I'll tell you, the, the main driving factor was the support of our day-to-day commuters who throughout this dispute have been very supportive. Uh, we really didn't want to disappoint them. We know how much they rely on our service uh, and we know how much it was going to affect them. There, we ran a poll question the other day of, you know, which side do you support? And the overwhelming majority of the hundreds of people who voted were behind HSR workers. How does that feel? Uh, absolutely amazing. You know, um, my members have been uh, supportive throughout of their negotiating team throughout this, uh, this dispute uh, and leading up to it. And so have our passengers. Our passengers have been behind us 100 uh, percent, you know, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't ask for more. Have you talked to any of the members? Are they looking forward to getting back into the bus? Uh, no, we haven't really had a, a time to uh, communicate. I personally haven't had time to communicate directly with members one-on-one. Um, we have sent out, uh, obviously, uh, notices to our members that we have reached a tentative agreement. Um, but I'm sure I'll hear from many of them throughout the day. I know earlier you said you were tired, but, you know, happy that this has gotten done. Is there is there a sense or, or a sigh of relief that, you know, you, you got it done? A- anytime you can come to a, uh, a uh, um, you know, tentative agreement, uh, there is a, some relief. Um, but at the same time, you're still anxious. You still have to uh, get your members' approval. And come that vote, is it 50% plus one, or are you anticipating a little bit higher than that? So in order for it to pass, it is 50% plus one, um, and uh, we're confident that uh, with the bargaining team recommending it, that it will be accepted. And but you never know until the actual day that you present it, right? That is very much true. Uh, come Grey Cup Sunday, is everything going to be status quo in terms of what was promised to fans? That's that's going to be our goal uh, as long as we can get the service up and running, uh, which uh, hopefully we will. Eric, appreciate the time. Congratulations, and uh, let's hope the, the vote goes according to plan. Thank you, Rick, and I absolutely appreciate you having us on. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, breaking news this morning, the HSR strike could be coming to an end. A tentative deal has been released, which is great news for transit riders. Earlier this week, I spoke with Blue Line Taxi President Anthony Rizzuto and asked him what was the impact that this HSR strike has had on the taxi industry. And he reported a 23 to 25 percent increase in riders. And it got me thinking, well, what about bikes? Because we have a bike share program in the city. Is that program also seeing an increase in pedal traffic during this week-long HSR work stoppage? Chelsea Cox is the executive director of Hamilton Bike Share and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Chelsea, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm great. Have you noticed an increase in riders over the last week? We have certainly increased a, a, a notice an increase in riders with Hamilton Bike Share. So we have a lot of people out and about trying the system for the first time. And we also have a lot of our regular riders who may use the system for occasional trips who are using it a lot more. So we've seen a 114% increase over the same week last year in our number of trips. Wow, that is huge. Is that a number you expected to see? We weren't really sure. There's never been a strike while we've had our bike share service running over these last 10 years. Uh, So it was a bit of an experiment for us. uh, And we did definitely expect an increase. And we've seen more trips than we were anticipating, um, and also a lot of 
sort of shifts in behavior where people are going a bit farther, a bit longer than they may typically uh, on a bike share trip. Do you have any stats on how many new customers you brought over to Hamilton Bike Share? Yeah, we have about 1,000 that signed up um, that for the first few days when the strike was announced. Um, so there was certainly an uptick. Uh, and then it's sort of been trickling in since then as people realize, well, I, I need to find another way to get around and reach my destinations each day. Chelsea Cox is the executive director of Hamilton Bike Share and our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. We're talking about the impact on Hamilton Bike Share, uh, considering the HSR strike has lasted a week, although there is a tentative deal that they announced overnight. Chelsea, now that more people have used this bike share service over the last week, do you think they're going to continue to return to it? I think so. We know that a lot of people are making trips, whether it's to work or running errands. Uh, that are just a few kilometers from where they live. So bike share is a really good solution for those types of trips, sort of short, you know, around 20 minutes, maybe 10 minutes. So I do think that it's an opportunity for people to try it out and see that I can really work for them for certain uh, certain trips, and, and maybe they like how it's healthy and fun, uh, and we'll choose it more often in the future. Could this lead to an expanded program in the future? Well, we're always looking to expand to more parts of the city. Right now, we serve the lower city from Ottawa Street to Dundas. So we want to get everywhere. We want people to have bike share in their neighborhoods and be able to access that option. Um, So certainly it's on our radar. With so many people trying out the program for the first time or, you know, regular users um, using it a little bit more, what kind of feedback have you received? It's actually perfect timing for us because we have our annual user survey out right now. Um, So we're gathering a lot of feedback through that. And we're also hearing from people through our, you know, customer support team and through social media um, that they're enjoying the system. It's really been a great solution for them right now when they would usually depend on the bus to get to work or other destinations. So we're really happy to hear that people are utilizing it and enjoying it. And we always want more feedback, so it's great. And how can people provide that feedback? Uh, so right now we have a user survey that we're posting on social media about at Hammond Bike Share. Uh, and they can also, you know, use social media or email us at help at hamiltonbikeshare.ca. Wonderful statistics, and it just goes to show how effective this program is. Chelsea, thanks for the time today. Thanks so much. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Who needs sleep? That's what I say. I'll tell you who wasn't sleeping. That was negotiations uh, and negotiators for the city of Hamilton and ATU Local 107 reaching a tentative agreement to end the week-long HSR strike. A sigh of relief for many. The union recommending its members accept the deal. I've also learned this morning that HSR buses could start rolling again as early as tomorrow. We'll bring you the latest coming up in news at 8 o'clock. Let's also talk about another massive impact on our traffic and traffic flow in the city, and that is the LRT, because the planned two-way conversion of Main Street, which we've been talking about for a long time now, has prompted Metrolinx to announce a design change for Hamilton's LRT. Trains are now going to cross the 403 on a rebuilt Main Street West vehicle bridge, which 
I think is good news. Let's ask our next guest. Maureen Wilson is the counselor for Ward 1 with the City of Hamilton and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Counselor Wilson, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm with you. Sleep is the, the greatest thing ever. <laughs> uh, can I get your reaction to this HSR announcement today? Oh, uh, I think uh, all of the city uh, drivers, riders, um, council, everyone will be pleased, of course, uh, pending ratification. But it, it's very good news to wake up to. Absolutely. And I'm sure your constituents are happy and I'm sure you heard from them. Uh Constituents in Ward 1 are always happy because it's where the cool kids live. <laughs> Let's move on to LRT. I mean, as I mentioned, this sounds like good news, this redesigned route. What do you think? Yes, I. Uh, it makes sense, and it's good It's good news. It's certainly, I think, good news for, for Ward 1 residents. And it also, I hear, is going to be a big cost save. What can you tell us about that? Well, I can't tell you much about that, only what I've, I've read in the paper. As you know, uh, this is... A Metrolinx uh, project. Um, it's being fully funded by the, the federal and provincial governments. So, um, but for me, the message is they're paying attention to to detail of our city. Um, they're clearly understanding that we're we're serious about Main Street conversion from one way to two way, and this locks in our ability to, to do that with the um, with the use of of Main Street for that route. So it's it's good news. Does this accelerate the two-way conversion? I, I think it a uh, ensures that it's fully converted. It ensures uh, they have talked about they will be facilitating multimodal um, use uh, along Main Street, so safer for pedestrians, safer for cyclists, safer for drivers. As you know. Uh, Dundurn and Maine and Dundurn and King are always the top offenders uh, for taking life and harming people, whether they be drivers or uh, people outside their vehicles. It's always on the top, uh, regrettably, list of the annual collision report for the city of Hamilton. It allows us to reconfigure um, coming off 403 and uh, entering the city but really importantly, it allows us to focus on that disaster, uh, and I'll call it a disaster, which is uh, about right that that Bermuda Triangle, that that land that can really only be accessed by car, which is the, that plot of land between King and Maine along Dundurn. Um, it will ensure that we can redesign that so that the neighborhood can actually cross it and kids can get to school in a more safe manner. Yeah, that is really a, I don't know who designed it, but yeah. especially coming off the highway and on both sides of Maine, it's, it's, I mean, it can get really scary at times. Well, we're not putting the engineer on a postal stamp, whoever designed <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. Um, in regards to two-way, so will this area of Maine uh, look entirely different in the years to come? I'm, uh, I'm sure, you know, with the LRT there, two-way traffic there. It sounds like it's going to be a much safer, but look a lot different. It is. It's going to be transformative. It uh, is going to be uh, safer. It's going to be less hostile. Um, it, it's just. It's, it's going to be better for for everyone, uh, Rick. Well, it sounds like it's good news for the city, and we're getting a bunch of it now, and that is awesome to hear. Maureen, always appreciate your time. Enjoy the day. Thank you. You too. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Great news. Earlier this year, during the summer, 
uh, the federal government said, hey, you know what, McMaster University, we're going to give you millions of dollars for your nuclear reactor program. And, well, a big celebration was held uh, earlier this week. Celebrate that $6.8 million investment from the feds to the McMaster nuclear reactor. Uh, Dave Tucker is the chief nuclear officer with McMaster University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dave, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Great. Very excited. It's a super day. $6.8 million. What's that money going to be used for? And, and how is this going to, I guess, improve the uh, nuclear reactor program? Yeah, it, that money is extremely welcome and it uh, matches with a provincial grant of $6.8 million and, and an investment by the university to make up uh, overall a $26 million expansion plan for the reactor and that's going to let us operate the reactor round the clock five days a week at its uh, eventually at its full rated power of five megawatts what that means is we can make more life-saving medical isotopes more different kinds of life-saving medical isotopes and really contribute to keeping uh, canada at the forefront of this fast evolving field of, uh, of radiation therapy for cancer and other disease treatments. What's the total cost of this expansion and, and when will it fully be up and running? Well, we're already underway, Rick. Uh, we've uh, just completed a, a six-week trial of operating round the clock. Uh, everything went fantastic and early in the new year, we'll be making that our, our regular schedule. So we've been hiring and training the highly skilled operators that run the facility and expanding our uh, equipment to and personnel to produce the the life-saving medical isotopes that we're shipping all over the world. Already, uh, Rick, we're treating uh, material from our reactor treats more than 70,000 cancer patients around the world every year. And uh, this will let us treat more and feed the innovation pipeline. You know, the, the researchers that are working on the next generation of treatments that will be saving lives uh, you know, for years to come. So how many more medical isotopes could this produce? Are we, are we looking at doubling or a third more? Is there a number you can put on it? Uh, sure. Well, we're hopeful and, and we have to see, and it's a little hard to measure and, and say in just one number, but overall the output of the reactor will go up by 300%. And, uh, if, uh, you know, as the markets allow, we should be able to produce three times the amount of medical isotopes that we are. Um, really, the, what's critical for us is that we can produce with a continuous operating cycle, we can produce some of the high demand isotopes like lutetium-177. You know, what does that mean? That's a, a isotope that is at the forefront of expansion of the medical isotope industry with uh, new uh, targeted therapies that are saving lives of people that couldn't be treated uh, just a few years ago. In our final minute together, I, I, I'm just thinking, I can't imagine where we would be, if, just from a healthcare uh, perspective, without this nuclear reactor and, and the medical isotopes that you produce. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's been a, a great part of our legacy for 64 years. The McMaster Nuclear Reactor has been at the forefront of uh, nuclear research in Canada since the dawn of our nuclear medicine programs and our nuclear energy programs. It's a vital, important asset for Canada and for the world. It's uh, our only major research reactor in Canada, and we're 
extremely proud of the work we do and the health, economic, research, and education benefits that we're bringing. And it's driving expansion and in, in a radiopharmaceutical industry hub right here in Hamilton. This is this leads to jobs for Hamilton. Fusion Pharma is a company that's uh, located here in Hamilton that came from McMaster and the Center for Probe Development and Commercialization. And Adam V is another radiopharmaceutical manufacturer that's operating now at McMaster and setting up a new headquarters near the near the airport. So if this is high quality jobs for Hamilton. Rick, it's uh, absolutely great news for everybody. It is a phenomenal story, and it's happening right here in Hamilton. Dave, thank you for your time. Enjoy the day. Thank you very much, Rick. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. In a couple of weeks, we are going to be battening down the hatchets if you are a Black Friday shopper, because Black Friday sales are about a week away. Are they going to be worth it? That's the question. Now, before you unload your hard-earned money on a Black Friday shopping spree, we need the help of an expert. Joining us now is Barry Choi, a personal finance and travel expert. Moneywehave.com is the website you definitely want to check him out on. And Barry joins us now on GMH. Barry, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Good to be back. So in a week from tomorrow, we're going to be shopping till we drop? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. how When we're looking at the popularity of Black Friday, we, we know that the U.S. has just gone bonkers over this thing over the last yeah. number of years. Is are Canadian, Do Canadians feel the same? You know what? Over the years, I do think uh, Black Friday has become the shopping event in Canada. In the early 2000s, I worked retail. Uh, you may recall in the late 90s, Walmart kind of came up to Canada. Then we started to see a lot more American retailers come north of the border. And that's when we really started to get those really good Black Friday deals because the American brands that came up started to understand the Canadian audience. And hey, we like a good deal, right? Who doesn't like a good deal? Mm. Uh, and now, you know, with online shopping, shopping in store, there's a lot of different options. And, you know, I personally, even though I, I'm a personal finance expert, I get super excited for Black Friday. <laughs> do, you, do you find yourself torn because you love Black Friday, but you want to, you know, make sure that uh, every, the math works? You know what? I actually built into my plan and like you said, make sure that math works because I know a lot of things are going to go on sale around Black Friday. To me, it starts, it marks the unofficial start to the holiday spending season. So around this time, it's like, no, oh, I'm already making my Christmas list. You know, I already asked my daughter, what do you want from Santa? And I'm hoping it goes on sale on Black Friday. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so there's always part of it for me is like the hunt for those deals. Again, it's become so much easier these days. I love it. Yeah, we do have inflationary pressures to, you know, keep an eye on. Is that going to put a damper on Black Friday spending this year? You know, definitely. There's quite a few reports that came out recently. BMO, RBC, Deloitte, and they're all kind of seeing the same thing. A lot of people are cutting back on their spending because obviously, you know, they're worried about inflation. Uh, people are worried about a potential recession. Uh, and at the same time, though, these surveys are saying that people are looking for deals and they're still spending on things such as travel. So there's actually quite a bit of an opportunity for people on it, but it comes back to what you're saying. Make sure you've got your dollars allocated, make sure you're budgeting for these things because Black Friday is great for deals, but you don't want to overspend. Absolutely. Barry Choi is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Barry is a personal finance and travel expert. Learn more online at moneywehave.com. And you mentioned it. We love finding deals. We love telling our <laughs> friends that, hey, I spent an X amount of dollars and I, you know, I save 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks. So when we're hunting for deals, where should we be looking? 
You know, to me, one of the best places to look for deals is actually a deals app. You know, traditionally, people will look at paper flyers, and that was a lot of fun, but that's old school, right? Uh, now everything is digital. One of my favorite apps is Flip. It's a deals app, which is available on the App Store and Google Play Store. It basically allows you to browse flyers from stores in your neighborhood. So oh, you can kind of see what's on sale based in your hood without ever having to step outside of your door. They also have a dedicated Black Friday section, which makes deal hunting so much easier. And what I also like about this app is the fact that, you know, you can search for specific items. So like I was saying, I'm looking for things for my daughter. Uh, as Black Friday comes, gets a lot closer, I'm going to be looking for those items, for those board games, so for those dolls that she wants. And I'm, I'm hoping one of the retailers has deals, but Flip is personally my favorite deals app. Talking to my good friend uh, Paul Anachek from BDO Debt Solutions, uh, another obviously personal finance expert, and he's a, a, a insolvency trustee. And you know what what he and his family do uh, each and every Christmas shopping season is tap into the loyalty points that they gather throughout the year. Is Black Friday the best time to do this? You know what? Black Friday is one of those things where you got to be smart about your loyalty points. And what am I? mean by that is you can either spend your loyalty points or you can earn loyalty points. For example, if you sign up for a Triangle Select, which is a subscription-based enhancement to Triangle Rewards, you earn 10 times bonus CT money on all eligible in-store purchases at Canadian Tire, Sports Check, Marks, Party City. And what's really interesting about this additional program is you can actually earn 20 times bonus CT money on select in-store products. So that's up to 30% back in rewards or 12% back. Uh, alternatively, you know, if you're already getting a deal, uh, you can actually cash in those loyalty points, cashing that cash back you've already earned. So you're almost getting a double deal, if you know what I mean. Mm. But, you know, when you look at beyond loyalty points, there are also some great deals for travel right now. Absolutely. We got 30 seconds. Let's settle the debate here. Barry, what is better? Is it Black Friday or Boxing Day? You know what? To me, Black Friday is the best deal. And I give you a perfect example. You know, I talked about travel a few times. And right now, Air Canada Vacations is offering up to 40% off sunny destinations. And this is usually better than Boxing Day, in my opinion. And plus, you can book it right away. This includes the Caribbean, Central South America. Uh, in addition, you can get great deals to Hawaii, Orlando, California, and Las Vegas. But you got to book by November 23rd, which is actually the day before Black Friday. <laughs> and it's travel between February 1st and April 30th of, of next year. So there's great deals. Take advantage of them now. Don't wait to Boxing Day. Countdown is on. Barry, happy shopping. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. Barry Choi, personal finance expert and travel expert. Uh, check him out online, moneywehave.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's a new survey out that shows there are many Canadians that are going to be wintering in the U.S. We know them as snowbirds. However international destinations are starting to gain some traction as well. Jill Likes is the editor of the Snowbird Advisor and joins us now on GMH. Jill, good morning. How are you? Good morning. You surveyed more than 4,500 people. What did you find? Well, it was really interesting. We, uh, we wanted to know where they go and how, how long they stay and look for trends too. So we differentiated between existing snowbirds who've been doing this for quite a few years and people who are just getting into it or who are just getting ready to retire and thinking about it, we found some really interesting things. First of all, 86% of our respondents spend their winters in the U.S. But when you look at the new snowbirds or the newer snowbirds, over 25% want to go to international destinations. So it's quite a, a difference in, in the trend there, and I would venture to say that 20, 30 years ago, almost all of them went to the U.S. So 
there's there's people are getting a, a little braver to explore and go and live in other destinations. Any anecdotal evidence as to why they're looking internationally? Is it just something different? I, uh, we didn't mine that uh, particular piece of information, so I, I can only tell you that I my own I spent my career in the travel industry, and I think Canadians have traveled extensively over the last. 20, 30, 40 years, um, and always went on their winter holidays. That was almost a God-given right in Canada because <laughs> of our because of our weather. And I think they're well-traveled. Um, uh, they, they're not afraid to go to places like Mexico and Panama and Costa Rica and Portugal. So, um, you know, I think people are looking further afield. Also, the U.S. dollar against ours is, is not ideal, um, so it's more expensive sometimes to go to the U.S. So I think there's a, a number of factors. Is uh, Florida still the top destination for snowbirds? It is in among our survey respondents, definitely. Uh, it was the top destination, followed by Arizona. I think in Canada, you'll find that people tend to go geographically south. Mm-hmm. So if you live in western Canada, you go to Arizona or California, and if you live in eastern Canada, you go to Florida or maybe South Carolina. Um, Of course, there are people that make exceptions to that. But Mexico was number four before Texas, because there's also a large contingent of Canadians that go down to the uh, southern Texas. Uh, But Mexico Mexico comes in at four uh, overall for our our readers. Interesting. Jill Wikes is the editor of the Snowbird Advisor. You can check them out online at snowbirdadvisor.ca. And a new survey out from the Snowbird Advisor shows many Canadians, 86% of them, will winter in the U.S., but uh, 14% are looking at international destinations, which is pretty interesting. For those snowbirds who are going to the States, are they driving or are they flying, or is it a mix of both? Um, the large majority are driving. Um, but there is definitely a mix. Um, of course, you have to remember that some of them are, are driving RVs. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that 68% drive and 32% fly. Now, that, uh, sometimes when you've been uh, living in the U.S. for a while, you actually buy a car down there and leave it there, so then you would fly to your destination. Right. But there's still a very large number who drive out of here every, every winter. For those international destinations, what is at the top of the list that piques the interest of snowbirds? Uh, I would say Mexico um, is definitely the fastest growing outside of of others. But, but uh, there's also, <clears throat> excuse me, Portugal and... Um, uh, Costa Rica, Spain, Panama, and Hawaii has a, a number, but it is uh, certainly from Western Canada, but Hawaii is, has become very expensive. Some go to some of the Caribbean islands, um, and South Carolina, too, is growing. Do you have any tips for snowbirds and, and maybe what they're <clears throat> least prepared for when they go down, perhaps for a first time? Well, the number one tip would be to buy travel insurance because you have to have medical insurance and any, you, you should absolutely not go anywhere without that. Um, it's really key and it can get expensive if you're going for a long time, but you, so you need to shop around. Um, 
and Snowbird Advisor has a, an insurance division, but it's 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 vital. Um, and I, my other advice to, to new Snowbirds would be to to you know explore a bit before you decide to buy something. Um, look around, stay in a few different places, and see where you feel comfortable. Well, the good news is there's a lot of amazing options down there, whether it's in the U.S. or international. Uh, Jill, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.